0: Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time-selling interactive online training. And I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time-selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time-selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to nine six zero zero zero. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time-selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there. It's time to accelerate! Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. It's another episode of Frontline Friday with my usual guest, Bridget Gleason, VP of Corporate Sales at Sumo Logic. Bridget, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Andy. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. Good. I'm here. So by definition, it's a good day.
1: (laughs) I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think I told you I've been getting over this cold. And I'll tell you, the best thing for me about a cold is how good I feel when I feel better. I feel so grateful. So I'm with you. I, I, I'm super happy that I feel good and I'm on the other side of it and everything's on the up and up.
0: Yeah, and I think the best thing you can do when you get a cold is get on a plane and go to Hawaii and bake it out.
1: Andy, if we were all only so lucky as to have that option. <laughs> I know you do. I would love that. That would sound great. I would welcome the cold.
0: I can't do it as often as I'd like, but you know, what the heck.
1: I know. Be thankful for the things you've got.
0: Be thankful for the things we have. So, so with thoughts of the tropic in mind uh, in the background, you can probably hear if I, I could cue up my Hawaiian music here in the background that helps put me <laughs> put me in the Hawaii frame of mind when I need to be in it. I wanted to talk today about um, sort of training and managing your sales team. I s- saw a really interesting article in a blog article recently about uh, the dangers of overtraining your sales team. And I think it was that that was the title, but really it really is not just about overtraining your sales team, but the dangers the, the author perceived of overmanaging your sales team as well. And I really wanted to go through some of the content of that because I thought it was raised some really interesting points and fun things that we could talk about here.
1: Good. I'd love to hear the points. I'd love to hear the points in that.
0: Okay. So there's some do's and don'ts. So Okay. So one of the don'ts was don't create a process that everyone must follow. Don't create a hard and fast rule. And I think what the author was talking about is that you need to give people space to utilize their skills and their creativity within their own skill set. Not everybody has the same skill set. To maximize their productivity and that too often now we're in an environment, especially with the, the specialization of roles, where we're so focused on activity, a specific activity level and a specific process level to achieve that, that we're dampening out the, the creativity that could help somebody be very productive.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's another maybe nuance to it. It's I I'm a firm believer in having a, a process laid out, a really well-defined process that X percent of the time you're going to follow. I don't know if it's 90 percent of the time, but that's, that's a good path and sort of roadmap to follow. So I'm a big believer in that. However, I don't believe that we can create a process that's going to cover all the multitude of options and different twists and turns that may happen, that if you don't leave some room in that process, to adjust, I, I think that's where the real danger is. So it's it's the creativity on the side of the salesperson. Also, I think there are just too many permutations of what what could happen and who's involved and different pieces of the sales cycle that I, I just don't think it it can be a hundred percent rigid.
0: I agree. I mean, you need to be able to reward initiative. I'm always struck by and I always hearken back to. Um, Oh gosh, a book called Citizen Soldier, or mm. Citizen Soldiers, which was written by a gentleman named Stephen Ambrose. And it was a, an oral history um, and he also was a gentleman that wrote uh, Lewis Clark. Brothers and so on. And oral history of, of World War II and specifically the invasion of Normandy. And one of the key points he, he brought out of that is that one of the differences between the American soldiers and you know the the german forces was that our soldiers were taught yeah you got you know you're part of a, a team there's rules you got you know you got to follow the procedure if you break the rules you know people could be in danger but at the same time they expected the ordinary soldier to demonstrate initiative mm. when the situation called for it and it was that freedom to exercise that initiative that they gave example after example really helped make a difference in certain points in the war. You know, they're coming from, you know, either non commissioned officers or sometimes even enlisted men as well as officers. But everybody sort of took it to say, look, at all levels that there are times that called for initiative, whereas in the more rigidly controlled uh, German army, they wouldn't do that. You know, the soldiers were too afraid.
1: I think also. I think also in that Andy, we learn. We can learn a lot, when, and and adapt when we do something that's sort of outside of the script and find, ha, huh, that worked. Things have changed, as we should incorporate it. So I think it's also if you, if you rule the mountain, don't allow for that. You also don't allow a system or a structure or a process to evolve. In a way that will will benefit the right. organization. So, I think we've got to we've got to be willing to adapt. And if if we're not willing to experiment, we're not going to adapt and change and 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 grow in the way that we need to.
0: Yeah. So I think in that case, what we really talk about, sort of summarize this point, is that it's okay to have expectations and have very clear expectations about what should happen, but. How somebody might meet those expectations, you need to give them some flexibility. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so next one, or another one on the list that this person wrote about, it says, um, "Don't box your reps into an exact script." And I think we see the the downsides of that. At least I see the downsides of that when in calls I receive, you know, at sales calls that uh, I receive from SDRs that, yeah, I can tell they're just following the scripts or word for word, and to me, that's that's completely off-putting.
1: Yeah, and that's, I, I agree with that 100%. I don't know who, well, I guess there are. I, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of the sort of B2C, the consumer sort of calls that I get, let's say at night, that are following a script for the cable company or the phone company, a very prescribed and I'm with you it's super off putting. So again, I think it's good to have what I've always encouraged reps to do is have bullet points of things they want to cover in the course of the conversation so they know how to steer the conversation, but I'm I'm not a believer in scripts although I think there is something to memorizing a script if for no other reason than to have, let's say, these bullet points in your head, but I would, I would by no means encourage a rep to to go off a script at any time, even even when they're learning. I think it's very, very off putting.
0: Yeah, and I, but I think your point is really a good point: is that it's okay to have them memorize a script. I mean, all the great public speakers, at least the ones that I'm aware of, and I I trained with with uh, one a woman from San Francisco, Patricia Fripp, who's a been on the show, and she's you know, one of the industry leaders in teaching people how to be effective public speakers. And even mean, she talks about is you know you have to write your speech out word for word and memorize it because only then, once you've memorized it, can you internalize it and make it seem natural and riff on it if you need to riff on it, and because you're able to have that base to come back to.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that.
0: So I see that same thing with script. It's okay to have a script, but not to read it. But yeah. Practice it, memorize it completely, and then it becomes part of you and it becomes very natural and once you go through repetition, and hopefully your script leads off with a great question. you can ask the customer as opposed to some sort of pitch
1: yeah, and i we're getting ready for our um sales kickoff and company kickoff, and we have a um have been talking about some of the different modules that we're gonna have for the team, and we're rolling out some new key plays and there's this new presentation that we want the sales reps to memorize this new this new pitch what i've emphasized to the the managers who are going to do the training is it's it's not as much about what the reps say as it is about what they hear and the only way they're going to hear things is if they ask the right questions so it's in this script like you said, Andy, you have to know where to insert the questions so that you 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 ideally want the prospect or the customer to do more of the talking, and that's another danger of a script. If you're just you know spouting off a bunch of words and you're you're you don't give the opportunity to hear what the prospect might say. So I, I think it's scripts are interesting. I'm I am really more interested in the questions that are being asked and sort of the answers and what we're listening for.
0: Yeah, and so I guess one of the questions would be how do you train your reps to not ask the first question but to know what the second question to ask should be based on the answer they get to the first question?
1: Well, I I think just an easy one like if I just had to Pick a question to ask, in like a second level question. It's this is this is the phrase is a question, but it is you know. Tell me more about that. Can you give me a little bit more color on that? Huh? Help me understand that. It's it's. You just want to ask something open ended that allows the 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 prospect or customer to expand a little bit. But I do think there is it's an it's an art. Andy, to train your reps. I mean, talking about a script, sometimes um, I've seen reps armed with a list of questions, and then it's more like an interrogation, which is just as bad, perhaps worse, than a script is an interrogation. So it's how to to be conversational and get the questions answered.
0: Yeah, and I think for people listening to the show is is you talked about the great all-time second-level questions, which really should be memorized by sales reps and taught to everybody, and it's not, is the, yeah, tell me more question.
1: Yeah, help me understand that.
0: Yeah, help me understand that. Tell me more. And it's almost like, i like to give you an example if you've ever, and you have had, you know, a two-year-old following around the house asking why, 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 why. It
1: was a long time ago, but yes.
0: Yeah, is, that's really what you're sort of modeling, right? Is, it's really a, tell me more is really the why question, just in different words. And so a customer tells you something, it's yeah you understand the you understand the why. Why are they saying that? So tell me more. How you know? Can you shed some more light on that? That's really that why question. And it's okay to take that down several levels and to keep they give you another answer. Okay, well tell me more about that. It's okay to pursue that because then they're really going to start getting to what the real motivation is, the real driver, the real trigger that's happening that's driving them toward wanting to make a change.
1: And particularly if the context is set and the tone of this discussion is, I, I want to help you, Mr. or Mrs. Pro- Ms. Prospect, make a good decision. So I want to be able to provide you with, with all the information that you need to make a good decision. And I think it's if it's in this context of... I'm at your service here, and I want to help you make a good decision. Let's discover this together. The prospect really opens up, as opposed to feeling like you're just pitching, pitching, pitching. Nobody likes that.
0: Right. Okay, another don't on the list here is don't stand in the way of reps failing. Encourage failing fast and learning from mistakes. How do you do that in your organization?
1: God, that is so hard. And Andy, that is such a good one. That is such a good one. And I have conversations with the managers about that all the time when I'm, I'm trying to help them be better managers, frontline managers for the reps. And there's, there's uh, one manager that the feedback will come back periodically that in the middle of a, like, let's say a prospecting call or discovery call, he'll jump in and take over. He'll jump in and take over. And I've, he and I have talked about this and he said, God, how can I, I can't, I I need that deal to close. I can't let it, I I can't afford to have it not close. I can't afford to let it go sideways. I can't afford to let it. And that's very real, Andy. That's very, that's very real. I don't want to, I want it to close also. I'm not answering your question, um, it's. I think you do have to let them fail, and hopefully, you let them fail along the way, not at a critical endpoint, but give them, give them, create safe environments where they can fail or low, um, low consequence environments. It's why it's great to have uh, reps starting with, like we may have them start on small really small accounts or deals that are less qualified we just want to give them a lot of practice so that they fail more in practice than they do when the stakes are higher
0: yeah i was funny I, I worked for an entrepreneur once that really had no no problem at all almost regardless of the consequence letting people fail
1: i admire that i admire that i admire that I aspire to that.:
0: Yeah, and I, I, I greatly admired it. I, mean, I, I, I was thinking I, I didn't have near the guts to be able to do that. and maybe in some part he was relying on you know his next level managers you know, to, to, uh, to figure it out or collectively for the group to figure it out if it was happening at the management level. And there was really only once I saw him sort of take charge on you know, a situation and say, "No, this is not going to happen." But by and large, I, I used to sort of sit there and sort of jaw drop open sometimes when I'd see, okay, he's really willing to let this person completely fail in order to learn this lesson. And he would be sit there giving me a look saying, don't say anything in the meeting.
1: You know, one of the, the phrases that we say here is, uh, pipeline creates courage. So if you've got a lot of pipeline, you can be more courageous and say, yeah, let them, they can fail. It's when you, in my opinion also, when you've got, you don't have enough pipeline, you don't have enough deal flow, you don't have enough that you are more desperate on each of these and, more, and less likely to let someone fail. So I, I think about that also, that, um, yeah, keep building. I mean, I'm a big believer. I don't know, I've never been in a situation where I felt like I had too much pipeline. But I think when you've got, when too, much you got good a, pipeline. too much good pipeline, but when you've got a healthy pipeline, I think you can tend to be a little bit more, this isn't going to be the end of the world. The stakes are lower.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're not trying to meet payroll, then yeah. Yeah. And you need a deal to do that. Then yeah, you have some flexibility. All right. We're going to take a short break. Come back again with Bridget Gleason. After the break, we're going to talk about some of the dues on the list. So stay with us. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at LiveHive.com forward slash ROI. That's LiveHive, L-I-V-E-H-I-V-E dot com forward slash R-O-I. Alright, we're back Frontline Friday with Bridget Gleason. We've been talking about can you overtrain your sales team? Can you overmanage your sales team? Uh, we have gone through some some of the don'ts on this author's list. And I just want to acknowledge this is a good article is written by a gentleman named uh David Greenberg. Uh you can find it on saleshacker.com blog. Uh David is a sales leader based out of New York, and I think he's uh a consultant now, if I read his bio properly. So people should check that out at saleshacker.com. So another uh, thing here on his do list is do uh, <clears throat> excuse me visibly, visibly and publicly track uh, effort metrics, what he calls calls and you know sort of activity metrics, and it talks about having to make sure you have scoreboards. So I think we've talked about scoreboards in the past. Uh, what do you do for a scoreboard that's visible to everybody?
1: Yeah, we definitely do that here. I've got a. I call it. We we track it in Salesforce the standards of performance, and it's all their activity metrics, and we track those publicly. We've got big boards where they're, uh where we show them. People can see how they're doing on, you know, on that scoreboard. But I think that's really important to track, to track activity.
0: So these, just uh, want. To big physical scoreboards that are up on the wall?
1: Well, it's a scoreboard. It's a monitor, Monitor. but it, and it displays, um, it just displays a dashboard in Salesforce.
0: Okay. But people can look up from their cubicle and see how how the next person over is doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Everybody can see it. And the whole company has visibility into it, which is great. I'm a big believer in that, that everybody has visibility into, into those metrics.
0: And here's another one on his list, which is a favorite of mine uh, that I see as something that's often, oftentimes missing with the company. He said, Do spend much time on sales 101. You know, how to think about closing, objections, asking the right questions, so on. Maybe it's just because that's the focus of what I, I write about and teach, but it's about the basics. You know, with everything else, notwithstanding your process and technical knowledge and so on, but Really, at the end of the day, it gets down to a person talking to a person, and the basics are really what rule there. I agree with that. I think the challenge
1: on that is how do you, how do you, how do you practically roll that out and reinforce that day after day, week after week.
0: Well, I think one of the one of the answers, and I'm taking that you phrase that as a, as a question,
1: it I is phrased as a question. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, is that. Um, you know part's part's reading, right? I mean, this is one of the great overlooked things these days is to actually read something. um and so one things I'm doing and working with a couple clients on this now is is we're trying to sort of reshape how they educate their their sales team. And so what we have is we have a process, so you and I talked about this, you were gonna take the challenge on this, so we haven't <laughs> it reminds me I need to close the loop with you on this is, so what this company is doing, they're committing, they're a couple companies now, committing to spend 20 minutes a day in the work hours that they give their sales team time to read. And we have a reading list we're going through. We've broken down to 12 books we're going to read over the course of a year. So it means that the sales team is engaged in learning on a daily basis in small bites. And then we talk about it in the sales meetings, and then we're doing um, quarterly webinars to sort of recap the books we've read in the quarter, but, but 20 minutes during the day, 15 minutes to read and 5 minutes to write into a notebook, you know, a reflection on what they read that day. Which the notebooks are then brought to the sales meeting the following week and they go through it.
1: Andy, do you have the list of 12 books on your website?
0: Uh, no, not yet. I, I can certainly send you the, that list.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think, I'd i love to have the list. I'd also, I think it would be a great resource for you to share publicly. I'd love to have that. I haven't taken the challenge yet of having everybody read 20 minutes a day. Um, I do with my management team though, I haven't had to set, uh, set an amount. I have a management team, my like eight or nine managers that are aggressive learners. I give these guys and gals huge kudos. They use audible to listen for those that have commutes, they read them. And we we essentially have book club in our sales management meetings. And we talk about them and we apply them and we use them. So I'm definitely seeing the the benefits of learning in this in this in this way. And this group has really gravitated towards it. I haven't yet rolled it out as a mandatory everybody read 20 minutes a day. And we get through this book. I've done it in other places where we've picked a single book and said, we're gonna go through a, a chapter. I told you we did that with, with your book, Andy, when mm-hmm, I was at mm-hmm. junior. Um,
0: a great book to start we, with, by the way. It
1: really great. Zero Times Selling was awesome. So we did it there, and I'm I, I think I would probably opt for choosing a book and saying, yeah, use part of the work time if you need to, but choosing a book that we go through as opposed to just 20 minutes a day. Well, but I that's think... that's me.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have a conversation about how you justify that because if you think about, you're going to hire some outside trainers sometime this year, right?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. And so think about how much money you're going to spend on that. And what you're going to do is you're going to have people learn sort of intensively for a day or two and you're going to do this multiple times during the year and and the studies all show, and they're all very conclusive, is that they are going to forget. Your team will forget I know. over 90% of what they learned within the first 30 days. So you can basically, you, 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 that sound you hear is the sound of your money being flushed on the toilet.
1: And I don't like that.
0: Right. So here, what you're going to do is instead, is you think about the investment. you could We could quantify this for you. And everybody else that's listening, I'd be glad to quantify it for you as well. The cost of 20 minutes a day. In what, as I'm sure, is not a typical eight-hour day for most of your people, right? 20 minutes a day. And what you're doing is you're sanctioning learning. You're creating, yeah, you've got these managers that are enthusiastic, aggressive learners, as you talked about. What if you could start building that culture into your entire sales team? Because if people get acclimated to this idea that they're learning something every day, especially something they can apply real-time to what they're doing in their profession after 12 months and they've learned, gone through 12 great books about networking and building relationships and selling and, and how customers make decisions and so on, just think how much smarter they're going to be and how, much, how anxious they're going to be to continue to learn.
1: Well, I think a, a big piece of that too is what they, what's done in the, like I, I, I actually, I think 12 is a lot I think 12 is a lot for a team because I think there needs to be some time, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, to take what's in that book and practice and apply, practice and apply, practice and apply before going on to the next one.
0: Yeah, well, so here's my theory about business books is that, you know, eight people go through a book, they're going to at one level learn a lot But what you hope, and this is what you hope as an author, is you as an author, I hope that people take at least two things away from the book that they can apply and will apply to their selling. Even though I've got you know, take zero time selling, I've got you know, dozens of things that people, individuals would find important and take take away and apply to their selling. I'll be happy and I am happy when they somebody talks to me and says, Look, I read your book, changed my life because in most cases, what what I hear is the answer is, boy, I follow up like a demon now. Because I know that's how important that is. In fact so, Right that's just one thing out of but there could have been a bunch of a bunch of other things there too. So to your point is I think if people read and they put into practice two of the things per book, you're well ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I The other thing that I think about, Andy, is, again, with, um, do you know what's so funny? As, as I'm sitting here in the conference room, I can look out and one of my managers just put a book on my desk that he wants me to read. Funny. We have that culture here. Anyway, what I was going to say is, with the millennials, everything I read is they are a, they're more visual, they're more game oriented. More YouTube is are are books the right medium for them to reinforce the learning.
0: Well, it's a great question, right? So part of it goes to goes to cost, and part of it goes to I think you know if you're consuming it in small bites. And I've interviewed people and the examples they have from their own company where they do have company wide book clubs, where not just sales but the entire organization is. During company time, reading books and having book clubs, you know, monthly to talk about it, and yeah, I mean, they're are a multi generational workforce, a lot of millennials, and yeah, everybody's buying into it because I think it's a it's a team thing, right? We talked about the importance of team. Well, it's, this is something that everybody's doing at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: So we'll get you over to the side at some point. We'll keep talking about it. We'll. Hey everybody listen I love it everybody that's listening is going to is going to hear your progression towards uh, I, towards accepting this.
1: And I'm not the one that needs convincing. <laughs> okay? So people ask me how many books do I read? I read at least a book a week. So I'm I love read. That's my that's my favorite thing to do. So I'm not the one that needs convincing. It's just I haven't I haven't moved over to your side yet, Andy, where I've said everybody stop and read 20 minutes a day, but I'm it's in my it's in the hopper.
0: Okay. Thank well, we're going to keep working on you. And we, like I said, we've got a, uh, an audience to help track progress.
1: All right. So. All right. be held accountable.
0: <laughs> well, good. Well, that's all of our time for today. I want to as always, thank my guest, Bridget Gleason, for joining me here on Accelerate and thank the audience for joining us as well.
1: Great. Bridget, Have a great week, Andy.
0: Yeah. We'll talk to you next week.
1: All right. Take care.
0: All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks for listening to the show.